I'm Jamie Nye here on the Green Zone as uh, Drew Remenda heads over to the rink for the uh, Devils and the San Jose Sharks tonight in uh, San Jose. And we're going to talk a little bit about the New Jersey Devils. They've been talked a lot about in, in north of the border with trade speculation. Jacob Markstrom among that, the goaltender of the Calgary Flames. And a longtime play-by-play voice, Matt Loglick, joins us uh, here on the Green Zone. But, Matt, I need to know, what's it like hanging out with Chico Resch as much as you have over your career, a great Saskatchewanian? Oh, absolutely. He is brilliant. Uh, when you mentioned his name, a smile came across my face because he is such a joyful spirit. And he has a good word for everyone. He is, without a doubt, the most popular member, maybe rivaling Jack Hughes, <laughs> somewhat kidding, <laughs> uh, of the entire Devils travel squad. I mean, there are people who just want to talk to him, and uh, he's just, it's awesome. It is awesome to be uh, ha- uh, to be working with him all these many years. Well, let's uh, go to the Devils. Uh, they're, they're a team that's kind of been up and down, five points out of a playoff spot right now, a lot of attention on them ahead of next week's trade deadline. Where would you put their play and... Where do you see them being active as potential buyers ahead of the NHL trade deadline to get back in the mix? Yeah, Jamie, I think we're all trying to figure that out. I think this trip out west will determine a little bit as to what Tom Fitzgerald does. Uh, Despite the Devils' inconsistent play, and and that would be the word that would best describe them, uh, they've just been inconsistent. They've never won more than three games in a row this year. They just can't get traction. And if, if they're able to do that, and they've got an opportunity in these first two games against San Jose and Anaheim, playing clubs that are near the bottom of the NHL standings, and then L.A. is next. But if they can come up with some wins and, and push forward, they're only five points out of a playoff spot, then I think Tom Fitzgerald doesn't put all his chips in, but he'll say, okay, this team deserves uh, a move of some sort to supplement what they're doing. Should they stumble here? Uh, then I think maybe he sells off a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know what his thoughts are on Tyler Toffoli, but as you know, he is an unrestricted free agent, and, and he might be able to get something for him because the core players are here for the Devils moving forward, not to suggest that Tyler hasn't had a good year, but I think the Devils' window uh, just doesn't match up with his. So I, I think it's in their hands, uh, both whether or not they can make a little bit of a move here and creep a little closer to the playoffs, and if they do, yeah, I think Tom will look to make some moves to supplement. As I mentioned uh, leading in, um, Jacob Markstrom was rumored. Uh, trade could have happened, didn't quite work out. Do you still think that is a realistic possibility that they can make something work over the next nine days? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that it's entirely on the goalies here. Uh, they've not been what has been expected but the defense in front of them is very young and has been prone to mistakes. And the goalies would have to be near perfect to overcome some of those mistakes. Could they have been better? Were there some timely saves that they didn't make? No question. But they've been left out to dry on too many occasions. So as good as a marksman might be, I guess Saros has kind of been pulled off the market with Nashville's five-game winning streak. Uh, as good as he is and as much as he would be an upgrade, would he be enough with 22 games left to make up that gap? Again, it somewhat depends on on where they're at. I hate to keep coming back to that. It's kind of a broken record, I know, but 
they're only five out uh, behind Philly. You know, Philly stumbles, and, and they have lately. If they continue to, and the Devils can find that traction, well, hey, you know, suddenly you're knocking on the door, and you're asking a goalie just to be a two-point or a three-point difference, and it could come back into play. It's, it's, it's complicated because Tom is facing a situation where he's got a lot, as I said, of his core pieces. It's a very young team. Uh, this is a learning process. There have been a lot of reasons why. Injuries have played a part of it, too. But I, I think he'd be reluctant to give up a lot of pieces for this one shot at the can. It's not like the window is closing on the Devils. The window has just opened. So I think I don't know that he'll go necessarily, again, if the Devils don't give him a reason to. I don't know if he'll go after a goalie. He'll visit it, I'm absolutely sure, in the summer simply because he may have more options, and it's clear the Devils need to, to be a little better in goal. Matt Lachlan joining us, uh, play-by-play voice, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, as you mentioned, like, they have uh, Meyer, Hughes, and uh, Brat uh, signed long-term, all 8-8 eight, eight or less on the salary cap. The cap's going to continue to rise over the duration of these young players' contracts. Um, that. that that's where I'm at on some of these teams where there's always that ahead of the deadline and should they make this move, that move. How much could patience just be what this team needs going forward and keep those assets, those young assets, whether they be prospects and picks, for a window, as you said, that's just opening? Yeah, I think that some of the team's flaws, you make an excellent point, I think some of the team's flaws have been exposed this year. Last season, everything went right. They didn't suffer any injuries or many of any significance. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Brett, Dougie Hamilton. In his second year, Dawson Mercer. Uh, all had either career years or, in Mercer's case, a breakout year. Vitek Vanacek had 33 wins. Uh, only Marty Brodeur, the Devils goalie, has said more in one season. So, so much went well. Now, maybe they were, you know, they, they were lucky to an extent. Uh, now, again, some of the flaws have been shown. They're very young on the defense. They need an upgrade, I think, in goal. So, yeah, I think the future is very, very bright. It's been disappointing this year because much was expected. There's still a playoff berth at stake, but it's just been a very hard year. And, you know, the fans are frustrated. Management's frustrated. Players, to a degree, are frustrated. I get it, uh, but I, I, I think... Taking a step back, which is what a GM needs to do, I think Tommy will look at the future and say, you know what, we're in pretty good shape. We have room uh, at the cap as it expands. We've got great contracts that you pointed out, uh, Jamie, uh, that will age extremely well. Uh, the Devils are in a good spot. I'm interested on the, that, that fan base. We know, of course, we grew up watching the New Jersey Devils and Martin Brodeur and Scott Niedermeyer and et cetera, et cetera. You know, they're, they're winning Stanley Cups. Uh, they're in the playoffs consistently. Um, what is the fan base like after? Well, last year, and then the last year, of course, as you mentioned, they go to the second round, but it has been a lot of years out of the playoffs. Um, are they losing patience or can they stay patient another year or two knowing what looks to be ahead? Well, to paraphrase uh, George Costanza from Seinfeld, uh, not the C's uh, are angry, but <laughs> there's a portion of the fan base that's angry. And that's because they wanted this team to get back to where they once were. I mean, the Devils for 25 years were a team that you had to include in your teams that have a realistic chance of winning a Stanley Cup. And they did win three, and they went to two other finals. And then there was that fallow period, and now finally they turn Lady Luck, 
winning the lottery into two very good picks in Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. They see the other talent around them. They see a Dougie Hamilton attaching uh, himself to the devil's wagon, signing that big contract a few years ago. And they have the year they had last year. So everything was set up for like, hey, we're back. And now, you know, the bottom has fallen out a little bit. So uh, there's a portion that's angry. There is a portion that's incredibly frustrated. Uh, so they're, they're, they're puzzled also as to why it happened. But I, I think, you know, if you look at it, youth, injuries, uh, uh, a return to the norm, it's all, it's all added up to this is where the devils are. Probably this year should have been last year, knocking on the door of a playoff spot, having some growing pains, this young team learning how hard it is to get to the postseason, and then maybe off those lessons, have a year next year that they had last year but uh they 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 flipped the script a little bit and that's why the fan base is is a little agitated because they thought oh this team developed early and forgot a little bit about the growing pains but uh it's a passionate fan base it's a fan base that continues to grow you know there was a time maybe 30 years ago you, you could uh laughingly say it wasn't right but the the argument was the devil said 15,000 fans, they show up every night. <laughs> uh, but as they showed in the outdoor series game at MetLife Stadium where, you know, there were 70,000 fans there, overwhelming majority were Devils fans. Uh, you know, the success of the late nine, mid to late 90s and into the 2000s has grown this fan base. So, yeah, they're like a, every other fan base around the league, frustrated when their team doesn't do well and uh, thrilled maybe beyond belief when they do well. And so you're kind of now facing uh, the situation where they're outside looking in with some tough road ahead. Uh, I'm interested, before we let you go, as you mentioned earlier, um, say they go on a little bit of a, a win streak here. Um, I know they have the Panthers coming out. That won't be easy, but uh, some winnable games and all of a sudden are right there in a playoff spot. Does next Friday get a little more interesting? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if, if they're there, if they can sweep this Western trip, and they can pick up some more ground on Philadelphia if uh, if they can show that, well, it took a long time, but they finally got it figured out, and they're pushing the right way, and their gears are all going well, and Timo Meyer breaks out of a season-long funk, all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, then then I think you know all bets are off as to what Fitzy might do. I still don't think he's going to sell the farm. I think he realizes that they're just starting on their path what he hopes is enormous success but i think he'll be very aggressive more aggressive than if they don't and i think they could be a player and i think the deadline as it approaches will be very interesting to the devils but it is up to the 20 guys they'll put in uniform tonight they're going to have to do it against san jose which by the way is the team they did lose to already part of that inconsistency one of san jose's very few wins this year well matt i very much appreciate you joining in uh, us in saskatchewan say hi to chico for us I will pass that along. He'll be very happy that you asked for him. Uh, he loves his province. He talks very highly of it, and he is a great representative of Saskatchewan, that's for sure. He is uh, no doubt about that. Matt Lachlan joining us, uh, the play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils. And if they do make a trade, you know what's going with term. They're not bringing in a rental. Uh, they're bringing in someone who's going to be a part of that Devils uh, team in the years to come, a young team. Jack Hughes, special player. Luke Hughes as well. Just weird a year after going to the second round of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs last season. More to come here on the Green Zone. Uh, Plus, 
We'll put a spotlight on one of the Saskatchewan teams going for a national championship in youth sports as we'll talk to Lisa Tomitis, head coach of the Huskies women's basketball team, coming up in a few minutes on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with the year in the green zone. Hope you're enjoying your day. Um, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly in Winnipeg, Manitoba in a joint uh, press conference. They have no long-term concerns about the Winnipeg market. Of course, in an interview in The Athletic, Mark Chipman, the chairman of the Jets, says it's not sustainable, the current state of the franchise and the amount of season ticket holders. Gary Bettman believes in the strength of the market, and he's kind of mystified at the tension that's developed here. Well, tell your chairman not to do an interview that says, you know what, it's unsustainable what we're doing right now with the Winnipeg Jets. Gary's mystified. I don't understand. We have all the faith in this market, guys. We're not going anywhere. Come on. You can trust me. I didn't move the team 30 years ago. Was that? Oh, yeah, that was me. Sorry. Uh, But Gary and uh, Bill, uh, very confident in Winnipeg, Manitoba as a hockey market. No long-term concerns uh, with Winnipeg. Not exactly what the chairman said last week, but okay. See, I told you Gary was there to just smooth the water, said it's all good. We're great here in Winnipeg, of course, until they're not, and they're moving to Salt Lake City. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone on a very, very cold Tuesday afternoon in Saskatchewan. Don't like it at all, to be quite honest, but... After uh, plus temperatures and above average, uh, we knew it was coming uh, because we live in Saskatchewan and we always know it is still coming. Hopefully a little more snow as well. That is one thing. And, And I've seen this on social media a lot, which is, hey, when we're talking about drought and wildfires and everything else and that threat, how about we welcome it when there's a big snow dump? It's probably best we do that. And if you're shoveling and angry, just go, no, this is this is good news to have uh, snow flying this time of the year. And, of course, you can track plows now on Highway Hotline. Completely changed my life, being able to track plows while on the green zone, keeping you up to date on the highways uh, over the last 48 hours. Although Edmonton has done the technology. I checked it. Edmonton, you do track the plows, and it shows the name of the plows in Edmonton. There's Plowy McPlowface, and then there's another one named after Connor McDavid. Forget the name. Um, But, yeah, so there's the next step on tracking plows. We need to name these things in Saskatchewan. Every plow should have a name. By this time next year, we should be able to track the names of the plows on the highways. Why this is important to me? No idea. I just think it would be fun. I digress. Right now, we're going to talk about the University of Saskatchewan Huskies women's basketball team heading to Edmonton, Alberta for the final eight, the national championship, trying to win another bronze baby for the Huskies women's program. The head coach is Lisa Tomitis, who not only celebrated a Canada West championship this past weekend, but also was honored for the sixth time with Coach of the Year 
uh, Lisa, congratulations on both accounts. <laughs> oh boy, that's a that's a loaded question there. Um, well, first and foremost, I think we're uh, very lucky to have the student athletes that we do have that we get to work with on a day in and uh, day out basis. Um, I've been very fortunate to have um, consistent assistant coaches. Um, I mean, Jackie Lavalley and Allie Fairbrother have been with me since I started here 25 years ago. It's crazy. They were both student athletes when I arrived, and, and now they've joined the coaching staff. And so I think that consistency is, uh, is a big part of it. Um, and then, I mean, the support of our of our supporters and our donors. I mean, we're the only team in the country that has a practice facility where we can get in and train at any point in time uh, with the student athletes. And I think it's just a, you know, it's been a a culture of excellence and, um, you know, we get people who want to come here and be part of it and, and do the work that's necessary to, to win championships. And so um, we feel really fortunate. And and like I said, well, like you mentioned, it was disappointing last year, but it sure is nice to be back on top. That's for sure. It never gets old. um, But when you miss out on one, it makes you really makes you appreciate how hard it is to win those championships. Did you see that early this season, before, maybe before even tip-off of the season, uh, on a re-motivated group after what happened to Canada West semifinal last year? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that semifinal loss was heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, I think the, they always say the, the sign of a strong character is what you do when you don't get what you want, right? And we didn't get what we wanted last year, but what do you do with that? Um, and it, it really invigorated and, and motivated our, our student-athletes to work that much harder in the off season, And they came into this season with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, every single game, you said, you know, we're 19-1 and in conference play, but we went undefeated in exhibition play. I think our record might, right now might be 28-1. and um, But it, like, right from the get-go, there was, um, you know, you knew this group was out for redemption and... Um, to make sure that we proved a point right from day one that we were a team that was going to be um, tough to deal with and needed to be reckoned with. So um, you could see it right from the start. Well, when you have uh, leaders like uh, you know Carly on the team, how important are they, as you talked about carrying on the tradition and over and over, mm-hmm. uh, to, to be able to set a standard, have the leaders you know, kind of own the group to bring her along the yeah. new recruits who will be you know, fifth-year seniors in three or four years? Yeah, that's right. I mean, Carly's leadership was um, absolutely instrumental. Her, Gage Graphic, Taya DeMong, they all played really big roles um, in leading by example. And I think for Carly and like an Andy Dodig, who won a national championship and have been to, you know, in Carly's case, this is their fourth Canada West championship out of five seasons. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, as much as it is a standard, it's also a little bit of a burden because when you don't live up to that and you don't bring home the championship, it really it hits hard. Um, but they're able to share, you know, what these championship teams have had to do to win and what it takes to be on the biggest stage and, and perform in the biggest moments. And um, again, a lot of the work is done by them. And so as coaches, it, it makes our life a lot easier, that's for sure, because um, they're just such great leaders and um leading by example what keeps lisa tomitis coming back as you mentioned 25 years <laughs> you got to love coaching to be able to uh, keep uh, coming back as long as you have i love seeing our student athletes win i love helping groups and people do things that maybe they never thought they could accomplish and really that's what drives me um just seeing their faces after a championship win 
um, you know, that that satisfaction, that relief, that elation after, you know, so many years of hard work, it is, it is truly gratifying for me, and uh, it's, it is really what drives me. When, you, when it comes to coaching uh, in basketball, how much do the X's and O's ever change that much? Or how much of, a, of the tactics yeah. go into just who you have on the floor and what talents they have? Yeah, it's definitely that balance. I think, you know, the game really has evolved over the last few years. Um, you know, the emphasis on the three-point shot, the um, being able to play people all over the court and not just in a, you know, certain position, I think is is one thing. And, um, you know, for me, I'm very fortunate to be able to coach at the international level. So I kind of get to see some of these trends of early um early on and so it can kind of be ahead of the curve but then there's also that well there's no sense you know running a system if you don't have the student athletes with the the talent to do so and so yeah the other part of it is then being able to take people and put them in positions where they can succeed and um, not forcing them to fit you know square peg into a round hole so um, yeah that's definitely a big part seeing where we can kind of put people and how they can be successful and and trying to complement their skill set instead of completely change them as as athletes so that's uh that's the fun stuff with coaching is trying to get that figured out lisa tomitis joining us uh, head coach of the university of saskatchewan women's basketball team uh, off to try to win another bronze baby national championship uh, next week it begins so what is the process uh, to get them ready now for another U sports national final eight yeah, I mean, we have a bit of a luxury um, right now in that we do have a little bit of time off. We're not going directly to Edmonton, you know, tomorrow. So I think first and foremost, we've we have some athletes who've played, you know, heavy load and and a lot of a lot of playing time this year. So we got to get them recovered and rested and uh, fresh again. And I think that was um, really played a part this past weekend is that we were fresh going in and and played with a high level of energy. I thought. So, yeah, we'll recover. We want to take a look at some things that we did really well this past weekend and um, not too much prep yet in terms of knowing who we might be facing. So we'll have to wait a few more days for that before the picture starts to become a little bit clearer. And, you know, like, as always, there's always stuff to improve upon. There's always things we can do better. So we'll get back to the grind here um, in the next day or so and and kind of refocus i think right now academics is a high priority catching up from the days we missed last week and and preparing for the days we're going to miss next week a blessing that it's pretty much you can say down the highway rather than flying across the country (laughs) yeah absolutely we're pretty happy that it's it's going to be in edmonton i think we're going to have a great fan base that's going to come up there and um yeah so it'll be a lot of fun and not having to travel too far certainly helps Lisa Tomitis uh, with us, of course, the U of S uh, Huskies women's basketball team off to the national championship starting next week in Edmonton. Uh, I'm going to ask you to put your Germany hat on for a little bit. Um, <laughs> what has that experience been like over, well, it's less than a year, but over the last yeah. couple of months uh, to see that program grow? And what do you learn from making the change uh, from the uh, national women's team in Canada and try to experience what you got in Germany? Yeah, you know, I've absolutely loved it. Um, every every bit of it has been so much fun. Um, kind of took took on the role last year with the thoughts of it just being a five week commitment, um, helping this team get through the European Championships. And right from day one, just loved the loved the athletes that we were getting to work with, and then to have them perform at the level that they did to qualify for the Olympic qualifier. Um, 
and then to go down to Brazil and do what this team did and, and qualify for the Olympics for the first time in history was just, I mean, incredible. It was unbelievable what they were able to do. Um, between last summer and this year, we were able to um, get a couple WNBA players playing with us, the Sobley sisters, uh, Satu being a first-team all-WNBA this past season. So she's one of the best players in the world. And her sister, Niara, plays for the New York Liberty. So with those two additions, it... Um, it certainly took our team to another level. And uh, the returning athletes that we had from the summer, again, just um, I can't say enough about them. We put in a lot of work between uh, November and February to be the team that we wanted to be and to show up how we um, wanted to show up in this Olympic qualifier and knocked off, you know, the eight, eighth and the tenth ranked teams um, in the world to be able to earn our spot in Paris. So it's um it's been quite a ride it's been thrilling again to be able to see and and take a group of women to a place that they never even knew could be possible um is highly rewarding and yeah just looking forward to helping them get ready for paris i i'm interested what well, 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 what will it be like you've experienced the olympics before wearing the canadian maple leaf yeah. your home country what 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 will it be like wearing germany colors maybe oh, down the line yeah. playing the canadian side well, yeah, the Olympic draw takes place in a few weeks, and I think it's probably we're probably destined to be in the same pool as Canada just because. Um, so that'll be weird, you know. It'll be it definitely it'll be strange putting on um, a different country's colors. Um, I'm sure in the village when we walk by Canada House, it'll be I'll be drawn to go in there instead of um, instead of the German apartments, but. Um, you know what? Like, like I said, I, I really love the athletes that we're working with. Um, they're kind of like throwbacks to some Canadian athletes. I would say like ten to fifteen years ago, um, and so it's been. Yeah, it'll be it'll be weird, but at the same time, like I'm all in with this group, and and we're a, we're a bonded group right now. We've been through a lot of stuff and done some incredible things, and and so we're we're gonna see what we can. That is Elisa Tomitis, the head coach of the University of Saskatchewan uh, Huskies and also national coach with the German basketball team. But the Huskies are off to Edmonton Thursday of next week. Uh, March the 7th is the start of the national uh, final eight as uh, the Huskies will try to win yet another national championship, last one in 2020. Coming up here on the Green Zone Champs and Chumps on 980 CJME and 650 CKO. You two are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on. You're smashing. You tried your best, and you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Ah, you're a bad person. Each and every day, one champ, one chump here on the Green Zone. The chump is going to golfer Taylor Gooch of the Live Tour, who says this year's Masters will have an asterisk next to the champion. Because he didn't get an invite, and he believes he's one of the best golfers in the world. And some other guys on Live didn't get an invite either. Because, well, what is happening is the Live Golf Tour, they're not allowed world golf ranking status. So some of their best golfers, their best golfers, didn't get an invite. One of them did. Joaquin Neiman got an invite. But Taylor Gooch didn't. Do you know how many wins Taylor Gooch had on the PGA Tour before he went to live? One. We won't miss you at the Masters, but of all the live golfers, Dustin Johnson's going to be there. Kepka's going to be there. Um, DeChambeau's going to be there. Phil Mickelson's going to be there. 
uh, Smith is going to Cameron Smith is going to be there. Uh, John Rahm's going to be there. Yeah, the best two guys on the live tour have already qualified because they've won Masters or been in Masters. The field at the Masters will be just fine without Taylor Gooch, and there won't be an asterisk. And I bet you he'll remove that asterisk if one of the live guys wins. The champ. Monday mornings are going to hit different for football fans. As Peter King announced his retirement, Monday morning quarterback was a staple for years at Sports Illustrated. Then Peter moved over to NBC Football Night in America, and of course, the title of his Monday morning diatribe became Football Morning in America, and he announced his retirement uh, on his column on Monday. A great writer told amazing stories for the National Football League, and every so often he would join us here on the Green Zone. We wish Peter King well in retirement, the champ today.